Hi TJs, it's John here. Happy Friday afternoon. Uh, I talked to Carl Makins, Head of Training, and Andrew New, Head of Education and Training Products from St John Ambulance not so long ago. We talked about their incredible effort of upskilling 3,000 volunteers in just a few weeks uh, to support frontline staff during the early days of the pandemic. So we talked about how they did it, what the challenges were, what they'd be taking forward into the permanent L&D strategy of St John Ambulance and any advice they had for other businesses who look to do the same. Uh, it's a very inspiring conversation, so do enjoy. We're going to be talking about the amazing work that St John Ambulance has been doing over the last few months uh, during the pandemic. Uh, to give a bit more detail on this, uh, Carl, my first question is to you. Tell us how you managed to train thousands of first aid volunteers to support frontline staff over the last few months how did you do it so quickly okay thank you john so you'll know that uh, st john ambulance um operates across the nation with with many volunteers um serving our communities um and the thing that those people normally do of course is covering um events such as football matches local community events and of course crewing our ambulances um across uh, city centers um, and also um, event activity where where people, of course, might need help. So at the very start of uh, the pandemic, it became apparent to us that our people were in a very uh, fortunate position where they could help. Um, and that help was a little bit different to what we're used to doing in, in, the, in the modern day. And that was supporting the NHS in hospitals um, and our communities across the country. So there's two real focus areas for us, and that was one was providing uh, ambulance cover to to support the NHS, and the other was about retraining our people to go into into hospitals, care homes, um, to provide support and care um, for not just those people that may be suffering from coronavirus, but others that were in that hospital environment that may have um, restricted access to friends and family. So for us, we knew that we, and we were quite confident and we knew that um, our people were trained very well um, in first aid and the ability to respond. So we started to look at all of those additional skills that people may need to go into the hospital environment and provide care. And some of that was really basic things like helping somebody to eat, around talking to somebody, communicating with people, but also recognising deterioration and using new equipment, things that our people might not have used before to, to monitor a patient's um, saturations and such like. So we took all that information away and we started to think about um, how we might uh, construct a programme. And at the time, of course, we were then restricted heavily on um, people coming together and their ability to, to learn together. So we started to, to map out the programme, we started to develop the products, um, and it was quite clear that there was some stuff that we were able to do away from the classroom, and this is the first time that we've, that we've really ventured down this route. So for us, it was around the creation of a, uh, a three-hour um, online learning session that was um, available to our people digitally. Um, they completed that in advance then of coming to a two-day course. And that two-day course um, really expanded on um, all of the learning that was done um, digitally um, when we were able to then put that into practice um, and, of course, observe our people delivering those skills. Um, and since the, uh, since the start of the pandemic, we've trained um, well over 3,000 of our volunteers who are uh, delivering care um, in communities across the country. So uh, the, the next question to you, Andrew, um, you also developed mental health first aid courses 
Uh, tell us a bit about uh, what they consist of. So be, we currently do, and before lockdown, we delivered the Mental Health First Aid England uh, first aid courses. <clears throat> These courses train people, lay people, to spot the, the signs of someone going through a mental health episode and to be able to step in and to be able to provide support and signpost them to additional help. Um, we're Obviously, as we went into lockdown, the delivery of face-to-face training had to stop. And we had to look for ways that we could support people we've trained in mental health first aid of how they can continue to use their skills in a new environment. So we developed online tools to support those mental health first aiders in a variety of different topics. So, for example, we looked at ways that people could apply a first aid protocol to a mental health episode uh, to refresh their, mem- their, their knowledge and to get them to be able to keep that knowledge and skill up to date. Uh, We also looked at running three webinars, which we did over June, Um, and this was more aimed at uh, managers and HR professionals about ways that they could um, enhance and support mental health initiatives uh, in a post-COVID working environment. These were very practical sessions uh, that allowed people to be able to ask questions of experts that we had brought in and to um, get them to be able to explore what this new world would look like and how things like lockdown and people um, facing sort of health or financial insecurity uh, would deal with their mental health. And these webinars were extremely well received. Uh, we had uh, we had almost over three thousand attendees across the three three webinars, um, and with very good response from them in terms of not only in terms of their enjoyment of it, but also taking away some key practical steps of how to manage the men- a mental health situation following the lockdown. I mean, it's an incredible story, really. Do you, do you think this rapid digital innovation is going to inform? the longer-term L&D strategy for St. John Ambulance? Andrew, this this question to you again. Mm, Definitely. Uh, So it's interesting. So if we look at the training that we provide to first aiders in workplace and in schools, uh, before the lockdown, there there was a lot of reticence about how do you put a very practical skill across through digital channels? We found a lot of resistance in terms of engaging with the subject through those digital channels. What we're beginning to find is is that that's changed, and that changed quite rapidly. And as an organization, we need to respond to that changing trend. Also, with regards to the introduction of um, social distancing and people are, are reluctant to travel, we're finding that people are wanting to engage more with our subject matter over a, a, a digital channel. Um, and so, therefore, we've really beefed up our online learning space. Um, we're ensuring that all our sort of future initiatives have some element of digital built into them. So to allow for people who now want to engage with our subject in this way, that chance to be able to engage with it. Um, we saw rapid growth of registrations on our online learning space during uh, the lockdown. Uh, we went from just over one and a half thousand people registered to almost 40,000 people registered within three months. And this was engaging with first aiders in schools who were in 
encountering new situations as schools changed and having to provide care facilities for age groups they may not have been catering for to uh, situations where you had first aiders in the workplace who couldn't access face-to-face training um, and were coming up for um, renewal of their skills and were able to refresh their skills uh, by going on to a online space. So this is very much a trend we want to take advantage of and will be moving forward. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's an incredible story. And I'm, I'm sure from everything that you've been doing, there's there's got to be some advice that you can impart to other businesses, third sector businesses, or maybe even wider. What what advice can you give to, to other companies that are looking to innovate quickly under time and also resource pressures? Carl, this question, this final question to you. Yes, great. So, um, so some of the things that we, that we have to consider um, is making sure that um, clearly people have got access to, to that learning um, and that learning is appropriate for them to, to be able to understand um, in their environment. Um, so that made us really think about what we need to provide people with. So alongside um, a new way of working from a digital perspective, um, and as Andrew talked about earlier, moving forward, that will become the norm for us. There's also that consideration about those people that we're interacting with and, and their access to, to technology, but also their ability around the use of technology. Um, and I think it's really important that um, anybody that's constructing, um, whether that's a, a hybrid course or a pure um, a digital um, focused course that they consider um, the audience, um, how those people access it and how they may be able to um, take on that information, retain it, but then also feel confident and competent in the delivery um, of that learning that's taken place. I think in addition to that, there is an aspect that um, organizations feel that they have to spend a lot of time and money in developing uh, the, the assets that make up any digital learning themselves, when actually there's quite a lot out there um, already, and that actually a, a, a more sort of curation type approach rather than creation approach works just as effectively and allows you to get up and running a lot quicker as well. Well, Carl, Andrew, good to know that we've got companies and uh, charities like St. John Ambulance um, involved in uh, the pandemic. If it goes on any longer, then uh, I think I think we're in good hands with the, the work you've been doing. So thanks very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you, John.